Sorry About the Mess Studios presents The Jedi Steps With your hosts, Stefan Bell and Michael Crable And welcome back to The Jedi Steps As we are recording this on the 4th day of April We currently have 254 days until Star Wars The Last Jedi hits theaters and 10 days until, actually 9 days until Star Wars Celebration uh, is upon us and we get a deluge of various bits of news, rumors, speculation, and just general fun from the galaxy far, far away. Uh, we've got a lot of news to talk about, um, some some interesting potential leaks that we're going to be uh, hinting about the, the future of the Star Wars franchise, some appearances at uh, Celebration, and uh, a potential planet name from the uh, forthcoming movie Star Wars The Last Jedi. And here to talk about all of those topics with me, as always, breaking everything down. Mr. Michael Crable. How are we doing this week, Michael? Hey, Stefan. Hey, all the Star Wars family. It's good to be back for episode number 32 of The Jedi Steps. Not doing too bad. I've been looking forward to getting to this episode all day. As I was taking calls at my job, I was thinking, what am I going to say tonight in my opening monologue, other than the fact that Celebration is almost here. I can't believe it's already April. Rogue One will be mm-hmm. releasing on Blu-ray very soon today actually uh, today um there you go see it's already <laughs> snuck on me on that fast it's amazing how fast um we can approach april considering i just remember it was january saying when we get to april we can get a trailer i mean how many days away are like how many hours is it now until we're we're away from getting a episode eight trailer i mean oh good lord i haven't i uh, counted that out but, <laughs> yeah, uh, i know about 10 about 10 days out Give or take, so we're we're looking around uh, two hundred and let's say two hundred and thirty to compensate with the time shift things, and that is not that much. Uh, the fact that we can count on these hours and not days anymore yeah. is the most amazing thing. I can't wait to get some of these stories tonight. We don't have a lot to, to cover as far as if you're if you're stacking content for the volume of stories, but the volume of content that we have for you all tonight. Is, is quite substantial. Uh, I That's what's actually really it made me very excited over the last couple of days as we've we've seen um, these stories come out about celebration and more momentum starting to build. Obviously, it's going to be the 40th anniversary. We are. This is going to be something special we're here seeing, like what we will be seeing soon, um, excuse me. And with the announcement of who's going to be there, um, discovery of of more information around episode 8, uh, the future of Star Wars. All of these are so important. And I know last week we discussed about speculation, how there's kind of a fine line. Well, more of like the these kind of stories this week, I, I could go off for days and days with speculation, mm-hmm. and it doesn't bother me one bit. So <laughs> I can't wait to get to these tonight. Yeah, and honestly, like you, you mentioned, like we only have like three real stories, quote-unquote, to uh, talk about today. But one of these is like seven stories rolled up into one. So like pound for pound, uh, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, uh, a lot of really good content to break down this week. Um, so, you know, without any further ado, let's just jump straight into it and uh, start breaking it all down. Sounds How's good. that sound? Oh, yes. All right. So the first one that we're going to be talking about tonight is an article that was released by uh, 
the guys at Making Star Wars, not excuse me, not Making Star Wars. I keep getting these two confused when we're on the air. <laughs> um, Star Wars News Net. What makes it worse is I'm staring straight at the title of the page right now. I could have said Star Wars News Net right off the bat. But anyways, uh, good guys over there posted this article on March 30th, 2017, entitled Lucasfilm's Plans for the Future, Things We've Heard About Upcoming Star Wars Projects. Um, and basically this is their breakdown of what their sources are telling them about where Lucasfilm is going to be going for the next, uh, say, six or seven years. Um, there's um, some details about new movies, uh, new television shows, etc. Um, and a little bit about the process and how people feel about various subjects. Uh, just completely overall, um, the entire franchise in the Lucasfilm company. Uh, Star Wars News that is a pretty reputable source, so unless we hear something from you know the horse's mouth that directly contradicts this information, I would uh, take this as basically gospel. Um, mm-hmm. So really, just to kind of uh, jump straight into it, uh, we're going to start things off by talking a little bit about uh, Lucasfilm's creative process. Uh, they say uh, from their source that the creative process regarding the status of Star Wars projects across multiple mediums uh, is said to be rather fluid in nature. Most titles are being talked about right now um, that are simple concepts and don't have uh, particular talent or crew in mind. Um, that in and of itself, I think, is kind of an interesting thing. There's a lot of people... Uh, that will produce films with uh, saying like, oh, we want to get Scarlett Johansson or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we want to get uh, Sylvester Stallone involved in this project and they will build a, a vehicle for that actor or actress uh, to go in. Um, and in, it does not appear to be the case for the Star Wars films, which is really uh, encouraging to me because um, I'm one of those people where story is always king. Um you can you can throw the best actors in the world in a movie. You can you know spice it up with visual effects, but all of that can only help so much if the story is not interesting. Um, so it's it's good to hear that they're really talking about concepts as the the impetus for new projects moving forward, rather than saying, "Hey, we really want to get." Now, say Ian McDiarmid back to to do a, a young uh, Palpatine <laughs> film. Yeah, uh, which is not something that they're talking about, but uh, you know that it's it's good to hear that that's not a direction that they're going. Uh, Michael, any comments? Um, I I guess I guess for me I from a business perspective it makes sense. They leave it vague enough to offer all of our stories because now we we can say, hey, I wonder what that entails. Could they mm-hmm. do a young Palpatine movie? Well, they didn't say that they're not going to. You know, so mm-hmm. they they have that leeway, so they're not denying anything, but also they're not promising us something because you know I, I think they want to see where things are going to go. What kind of stories do we want? I mean, right now, I mean, the biggest of ele- elephant in the room, and that's you know being pushed by a lot of Star Wars fans is the Obi Wan movie. Sure. I I am certainly under the impression that sometimes fans don't really know what's best for them. I think in theory, it's like, of course you'd want to see an older Obi-Wan movie when it's set between episodes three and four. And like, maybe in our heads, 
that sounds like an amazing story, but in, in practice, it could be a very boring movie where nothing happens. I'm not saying that'd be the case. I'm just misusing this as an example. So I'm glad they're not coming out and saying this is what's going to happen because I think, you know, being open minded about the future, but having a certain goal in mind, saying this is where we want to go. And we're going to see where the galaxy takes us and the fans takes us right now in the present, I, I believe is a very, very wise decision. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, and, and I would genuinely agree with that. Um, you know, looking to see what people are interested in, what um, could yield the best idea, I think is a pretty sound um, concept. Um, in addition to that, it appears that uh, the, the development process for Saga Films versus anthology projects um, are a little bit different. The Saga films, um, what we're hearing, are a little bit more of a rigid development process versus the uh, anthologies, which are a little bit more free-flowing and uh, loosey-goosey, if you want to say it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes perfect sense, because you know the, the Star Wars Saga films are in a very uh, pre-established history. We have, you know, seven films now of 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 timeline that all need to be accounted for for each successive uh project to be a success um the anthology ones they still have to you know work within the universe uh in rogue one's case it still has to slot into uh a a franchise and like fit right up to uh, essentially the minute um that a new hope begins um but you know they're a little bit freer with what they can do with those movies so Mm -hmm. um that just makes all the sense in the world um in addition to that lucasfilm uh appears to have a philosophy that they're not going to officially announce a project that they have in development and when we say development it means any stage of development they could be a concept that they're toying with say uh going back to you know my example of a young palpatine film if someone say hey we could get Ian McDermott back to do a young Palpatine film. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, that would technically be quote unquote in development. Um, it may not be in heavy development or like a very farther along in the stage, but it would be in development. Um, Lucasfilm isn't going to actually announce their slate of projects until they 100% know that that is what they are going to do and what yeah. they are going to do. They know what they're going to do with it. Um, if that makes any sense, um, they want to, you know, have things locked in to uh, a certain degree before they start announcing things to the public, which, again, I think is a very s- smart uh, idea because you get a lot of these uh, companies out there who will announce projects years and years in advance. Sometimes things will get removed from their slate of films, sometimes things will get, you know, thrown in there after. You know, the success of another movie, um, stuff gets changed around a little bit. Um, the Lucasfilm seems like they they are going to be very cautious about all of this, which I, I uh, generally appreciate. Mm-hmm. That, that I think that's that's the biggest thing is that the development, focusing on the fact that they are taking time and attention. And you know, this is, in, honestly, one of the announcements I know we'll get to later is that do you believe that – because when I mean, you think about what we have right now, uh, and in the last two years we've had three Star Wars films in development, whether that's pre, um, current, or post, they're all have been in production. And do you think? I mean, it seems like we're getting a lot of material at at once. Could you imagine 
if a Star Wars movie was releasing, you know, a, a month from now, and then also we were trying to cover Episode Eight, like, th- do you think that mm. would just get oversaturated after a while? Uh, you know, it really depends on how frequently that would happen because you know we are going to kind of be in a situation like that. Um, right. When when the last Jedi comes out in December, we're only going to have five months until Han Solo hits theaters. Um, so we're still going to kind of be you know reeling from that release bef- at the same time that we are getting prepped for the new Han Solo movie so it's, it's going to be a bit of a balance we're going to have to strike I mean like we, we are, we're still talking about The Force Awakens uh, two years after it hit you know home video and uh, and like we were you know well past that we're well past Rogue One now so um, I, I think we are still going to have topics of conversation, but um, it probably will die down significantly after the next movie is released. So that's not okay. a huge concern of mine uh, in particular. Because uh, the, the only reason um, why only reason why I bring that yeah. up is like, just could you imagine though that if Episode Nine was going to come out next December, I, I don't know if it just keeps take if it takes it away from from it. I, I really hope they stick to the one year. Um, Mm-hmm. Well, like the film once model. You, yeah I you know, really I, do I, I I think we're gonna have a little bit more to talk a little bit about that um in a few minutes so uh we'll get to okay. that back to that in just a, uh, a little bit um well just a little bit more on the development process uh they go on to say that uh you know concept art and rough draft outlines are typically you know made prior to an actual pitch uh, which is made to Lucasfilm's president, Kathleen Kennedy. Kennedy hears the pitch, um, who subsequently uh, takes it to the story group, who discusses it. Um, if the idea gains enough uh, traction with them, then um, they'll they'll continue the development process, meet with some Walt Disney execs, um, and if everybody you know in the the, the upper brass of uh, those two companies agrees that this is a good idea, they'll go forward with like official development of the project. Um, if a pitch is you know unsuccessful, and this is something that we've you know kind of known for a long time as you know Lucasfilm history, they never throw anything away, um, and stuff that wasn't right for a particular application um, often will get reused. Uh, in a different uh, different context so nothing really gets thrown away there and that's exactly what happens uh, with some of the pitches if there wasn't a successful pitch they may pull it back from say the movies but say hey this could really work as a good Rebels episode and they may toss it into Rebels or they may you know put it into storage or uh, move it into a book or a comic um, good ideas don't just get thrown away in this company which is another thing I really really appreciate um Speaking of good ideas, uh, we have been hearing for a long time now that uh, rumors have been swirling uh, around the Lucasfilm company about an Obi-Wan project. Um, this is something that a lot of fans have really been wanting. Um, at one time, we, we even heard that this may be a trilogy of films uh, being developed for uh, the the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan set between episodes 3 and 4. Um, what we are hearing now is that uh, Kathleen Kennedy and the rest of Lucasfilm are fully interested in making an Obi-Wan film set uh, post-Revenge of the Sith prior New Hope um, with Ian McGregor involved. Um, and it is emphasized in this article that it is 
in fact just one film we're not talking about a, a trilogy of obi-wan films um which again i think is a really good idea because how much yeah story could there be of a guy just hanging out in the desert babysitting uh his best friend's kid for 19 years um i think that there is definitely is story to be told there and i think i really really want to hear this um but yeah a trilogy of films just seems a little bit overdone we'll we'll see how the first one goes and then uh move on there but yeah uh this is something that's uh, apparently uh, a done deal. Um, this is something that they're really, really working on. We don't know for any of these, you know, alleged projects when they may fall on the slate. We still have an unannounced um, third anthology project that's supposed to be uh, released in 2019, I believe. If I have that right. Yeah, but, 17 but, is this yeah. year, 18, huh? So yeah, 19. No, 2020. It has to be 2019. Eight. Han Solo is 18. 19, yeah, 2020 would be the the third Han Solo or third anthology film. Excuse me. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, yes. So I was off there by a little bit. Um, but anyways, we don't know when any of these are going to fall in there. But um, since Celebration is about a year not a year away, a couple of weeks away, um, we may be hearing about the uh the third anthology project that we're going to be you know start developing soon um and uh so one of these if not all of them could get uh some confirmation in the next few days uh moving onward um it appears that uh as far as who may come to to helm this project uh Star Wars Newsnet says that uh, Rogue One's director, Gareth Edwards, could be returning to the director's chair as uh, Kathleen Kennedy was very happy with the work that he did for them. Um, Gareth really is a, a Star Wars fan. Um, he, he really seemed to kind of uh, bring a lot of love and care into the project that um, he just completed for them. Uh, and uh, I personally, I think he would make a, a a good candidate for an additional film whether obi-wan is right for him or not yeah who knows um but personally i would not be opposed to him uh returning to the star wars saga again um but what they are saying is if gareth is considered it will be a different team of producers and writers that are going to be working on rogue one um which makes a lot of sense, um, don't you think, Michael? Because the, what we've been hearing for a long time is that uh, a lot of the, the struggles that Rogue One allegedly went through in its development process kind of stemmed from you know logistical issues and um, problems with the script and them rewriting things or not having things uh, completely uh, set up. So uh, hearing that uh, we may have a bit of a different writing team involved um, makes a lot of sense to me. Are you referring to that Gareth Edwards project that was an abomination? Is that what you refer? <laughs> I uh, no, I, I no, not at no all. Project in, um, I, okay, <laughs> not the Godzilla I think movie. That there is no Gareth Edwards abomination. No, project. Maybe I, you're referring to Godzilla. Uh, yeah, no. That, not, are you, are not you thinking even. of a different character? No, at least that one had a monster in it. Uh, um, no, yeah. I. If, if he were to do it, I mean, I enjoy him as a as a director. He he captures moments really well mm-hmm. um i don't know if i'd want his style with obi-wan though um 
I've never. He's more of a broad scope. Tell his bigger story. Even though Rogue One was a contain, it still had such a. I mean, the the scope of Rogue One had massive implications. It wasn't this localized story that was very very small. It was it was mm-hmm. a it was a grand adventure that those small town people went on. Obi Wan can be a very. It could be the lowest production. Uh, uh, budget on a Star Wars movie ever if they do it they don't need it to be a 200 million dollar film uh, because mm-hmm. of like maybe how how small the story would that uh, Obi-Wan would uh, would have now unfortunately we'll, we will not see the the fight between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan on live screen uh, mm-hmm. on the that would be awesome if they did something with live action on that course so I really don't know what they would be doing I, and you know I think about it obi-wan what are they gonna do uh because yeah. they they were setting up darth darth maul and him very well mm-hmm. and they could have told an interesting story that so many years after obi-wan you know senses maul's presence and maul wants to go after luke and it's this massive thing where oh or where obi-wan's trying to skate between protecting luke but not involving him and you know like i thought that would have been really cool but of course so that's gone so i really don't know what they're gonna do uh yeah. with him but as far to answer your question, if Gareth was a mouse tomorrow as directing it, I'm not going to be upset. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as a writing group, yeah, I would want to see a new a new group return. I, I, I well not a new group return. I want to see a, a new group entirely. Uh, mm-hmm. I think some some mistakes were were uh, obviously took place in Rogue One. It seemed like there was this creative dissonance between the the team that they it's, I don't know I I will firmly believe that the story that Gareth wanted to tell was so good on paper that he was allowed to speak at celebration saying well this is Star Wars for a reason and there was a reason why that the first poster was a very very gloomy feel and that teaser teaser trailer had more of a um a gulp moment to it because of like okay wow this is serious so i think when he made his movie that he wanted or cut it a certain way lucasfilm's like oh that was great but we there's no way we can put disney on that and then tell that story because we're going to give kids nightmares I, I i honestly think it was something like that based on what gareth has done in the past with his other movies he he likes to capture moments but he has no problem hitting you with some very heavy stuff mm-hmm. so if you take that that aspect and you apply it to Obi-Wan, I mean, how could I not love it? So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my theory. And, you know, honestly, if, if there was indeed a tonal shift, um, during the development of Rogue One, um, it kind of makes sense why that would happen in my mind. Anyways, makes sense why that would happen, uh, for this movie in particular, because it really was, um, their their first step forward into the anthology films this is yeah making the first impression on everybody um so saying this is kind of the tone that we're setting with this new new set of films <laughs> everyone um, gets slaughtered by darth vader all the heroes that you just love just <laughs> kidding we're gonna kill them all in this one scene that would be yeah. so epic but you you are correct in what you're yeah. saying and in addition to that they really do have to uh try to match the tone the tone maybe isn't their best word the 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 feeling of a new hope um along <laughs> with its its visual style they this is this movie is hampered um more than many other films by 
them trying to to bump up so close to uh, the original film. So it really makes sense in my mind why some things may have been tweaked uh, here and there, and you can still see some remnants of uh, a bit of a grungier, dirtier, uh, grimmer Rogue One, um, which may have existed at one point. We, we may never know for sure, but it may have. Um, but it makes sense why that would be the case. In the mm-hmm. future, I, I can definitely see them taking a bit of a darker take on certain things. Um, but as far as, you know, a, a plot for an Obi-Wan film, um, I've said it for years that I think that there is a, a reason why Owen doesn't like Obi-Wan. Um, he tries to keep him away, he calls him a crazy old wizard, uh, wants Luke to have nothing to do with this guy. Um, you know, and then the old Ben says that, uh, I wanted to give you your father's lightsaber years ago, but, uh, your f- uncle wouldn't allow it. Um, there, there's some bad blood between these two kids. So, I uh, I think that that is a part of what a story could be regarding Obi-Wan. Um, you're right, the, the Darth Maul face-off, uh, would have been prime territory for that. Although, it does, uh, seem fitting to me why they would keep that in an animated medium because that's kind of where his storyline yeah was resurrected um but then again there's there's nothing that says we couldn't see that happen in a film um they would have to do it the right way and adhere to uh you know the canon timeline that's already been established but uh i could see uh maybe Ben having uh, a premonition or flashback to that scene really quickly. Um, so, you know, that's entirely possible. But, uh, but yeah, the, the guys at Star Wars Newsnet mentioned that um, they think that this movie may be the one to be announced um, at Celebration, uh, partially because uh, we've been hearing about this for a long time, um, and there are a few other materials that apparently have been produced uh, in conjunction with the event. Um, nothing specific, but they do say that it, it must have something to do with Obi-Wan. Um, so we will definitely find out within 10 days uh, a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. The next project uh, that they are talking about is uh, a Bounty Hunters and Boba Fett film. Um this is something that we have also, once again, been hearing about for quite some time. Uh, the third anthology film was reported to be uh, helmed by Josh Trank and was supposed to be uh, a Boba Fett-centric movie. Um, in the wake of the, the most recent Fantastic Four film uh, and a lot of the, the, the you know rumors that have been uh, flowing off of that set... Uh, it appeared that Trank was um, under a lot of pressure from that film in specific. Um, he had an emotional breakdown while on set, and uh, you know, writer producer, uh, what his name is Tony Gilroy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, got to look that up. Anyways, um, yeah, the the writer of the the film, uh, basically put out an ultimatum. For, to Lucasfilm saying if you want me to stay on this project and Rebels when it was in development um, you're going to have to get rid of Trank because I, I can't work with this guy um, but uh, the idea from what they're saying uh, from their sources that is not dead um, 
it probably will not be a, a FET solo film and uh, most definitely won't be an origin story. We've already kind of seen that in Attack of the Clones. Um, but the idea is that uh, it will be uh, structured around a group of bounty hunters um, featuring FET but not focusing on him as um, its central character. Um, so we're talking about another ensemble film uh, something kind of like in the vein of Rogue One in uh, the fact that that was something of an ensemble cast, uh, but primarily focusing on bounty hunters. Um, you know, this one, uh, Simon Kinberg um, is one of the, the people that I was trying to think of. His no, name just gotcha. jumped into my mind. <laughs> but anyways, um, this is a pitch that apparently I had been working on for a while and is still um, definitely in the minds of people. Um, speculation kind of leads me to to think that uh, possibly this could be you know a story involving like why Vader tells Boa Fett no disintegrations, um, mm-hmm. like you know how that group of uh, bounty hunters in uh, in Empire Strikes Back get kind of assembled. Why are they the ones that Vader? goes to do they work together in some capacity who knows um you know boba fett has always been one of these uh kind of overhyped characters in my opinion and michael i know that you feel uh similarly on this issue uh he he looks really cool and what they did with him in the eu is really neat but the the substance that we have there of this guy really isn't all that interesting um you know i know that both you and i were going to go see any of these movies uh that they put out you know without a second thought but uh given the option um if they if you were in the lucasfilm story group and they were to say hey we want your input would you uh give a bubble fett film uh a thumbs up or a thumbs down well, that's about the easiest question I've been asked all day. Uh, it's obviously a thumbs down. That's why I actually like hearing this story about being more of an ensemble movie. I still mm-hmm. think they could do something else, which I want to discuss with you in a little bit. Um, okay. But yeah, he's the most overhyped character. It, it's the lore that's no longer canon, mm-hmm. which is ironic because it's, it's in Legends now is what made him more famous, which I understand, but now that's gone. So anything yeah. that we thought he was certainly still could be mm-hmm. but now we don't have anything backing it um yep. because at this moment he's dead mm-hmm. uh only legends made him um survive the sarlacc pit correct unclear um we we know that uh his armor survived the sarlacc pit um apparently the sarlacc was you know damaged and or killed um after the sail barge exploded um and a group of jawas had his armor but his armor was bought uh by you know another no-name man and worn by him for for several years as he kind of attempted to bring law back to tatooine after uh jabba was uh jabba you know was killed um but we really don't know if fett is alive um, could be, could not be, um, or someone could just, you know, take the concept that I've heard before and make, uh, Boba Fett kind of, uh, a title almost. Someone, uh, you know, takes on the armor, 
um, and you know then claims to be Boba Fett. We never really uh, get a reveal of this uh, you know international man of mystery type character. Um, it, you know that's kind of just speculation yeah. right now. I, but, I don't you know, we, I don't want to see that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you that uh, a Boba Fett solo film. While it could be interesting, there's not enough there right now to get me uh, super revved up about it. But making it an ensemble film, I think, is really interesting because all of the other bounty hunters that we see on the deck of that Star Destroyer uh, are so underdeveloped. Um, everybody latched onto Boba Fett, but we don't hear anything about Dengar, nothing about Zuckus, um, 4 LOM, um, Bosk. Uh, there are so many other characters that they could use if they're just using that core group that we saw in Empire. Um, I would really like to, you know, learn more about those guys, see that their personalities, um, the dynamic between all of them, kind of shine through. Um, I think that's what really could make this movie special if they uh, end up going through with it. Yeah, the, uh, the only thing because I think Jango Fett's more intimidating than Boba Fett. Oh, I mean, well, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, because you get to see him as, like, an actual villain versus Boba mm-hmm. Fett. You, you see him for ten seconds in Empire Strikes Back. You get to see him return of the Jedi. And you and the film gives you this impression that he is something to be... Uh, he is a mysterious person. He is, mm-hmm. you know, he's smooth, and then he dies in the most obnoxiously and hilarious way possible. Um, yeah. I, so I guess I just don't... I don't really get it. I really don't understand what's there, and then what what are they gonna mm-hmm. do? What are they gonna do with a a bounty hunter's tale? I mean, I rather much see a maybe an origin story for Boba Fett. If anything, if if I if they if they said we are we have to tell a story, what I mm-hmm. would do is I go thirteen thirteen type of route. Show him how basically like after Coruscant underworld exactly basically show him that after his father's death and he kind of went downhill and he tried to find himself or he tried to find mm-hmm. out what his father did and he wants to follow in his footsteps because he wants to kill Jedi he wants to get skills to kill Jedi because they took his father from him so um, you know where else to go than the underworld of, of Coruscant and, and see that again mm-hmm. and so if you had to make it I actually think that would be the most interesting story to tell so maybe yeah. an origin story just for Boba Fett because and people are like well I don't want an origin story like well you already got one He, mm-hmm. you saw it in Attack of the Clones so I don't really get that like unless yeah. they're doing simply the title thing where Boba Fett actually retired and he's working at a nursing home on Camino somewhere like <laughs> I, and, and his, the, the title of Fett was passed along I, I don't get it we've already seen We've already seen it. So, like, they're, they're, what's the mystery? I, I, every time I hear somebody say, I don't want an origin story because he's supposed to be mysterious. What mm. are you talking about? We already know who he is. He's a whiny yeah. little kid who sees his dad get executed. <laughs> well, that's the idea behind, um, you know, having the, the, the armor, the helmet being passed down to another person um, is to kind of maintain the mystery of the man inside the suit um it's you could call it a retcon and kind of erasing the history saying okay yeah that was boba fett or a boba fett but not necessarily the boba fett the one that we see in empire and jedi um so yeah that's kind of the idea of you know having it be just a suit that gets passed down like uh, have you ever seen the movie uh princess bride uh actually no i have not 
it's it's a really funny movie. I'll have to to lend that to you. But in the in that movie, it's not really a spoiler to say that there is uh, a character called Dread Pirate Roberts, and uh, the title of Dread Pirate Roberts, the not really the title, the identity of Dread Pirate Roberts, um, gets passed down from person to person to person. Whenever the 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 former Dread Pirate wants to retire, he just gives um, a mask and a ship and the name to uh, some other guy and then goes off and retires wherever and does whatever. I I like that. I really do. mm -hmm. I just don't know if that'll work here. And and I think it can just get too confusing. Yeah. Well, this is, and honestly, this is just speculation at this point. Um, But it does seem that um, some sort of bounty hunter ensemble film uh, is in the works there. Um, the idea you and I are still kind of, you know, working on being sold on. Um, but, uh, I'm definitely open to it. Uh, cause I think that there, there is a story that can be told there that could be really good. Um, I'm just thinking that there are other avenues I would rather see first personally. Um, but anyways, uh, speaking of another avenue that I don't know if I really want to see that I'm going to have to work on uh, keeping an open mind is uh, a section that they're uh, jokingly titling in this Star Wars Newsnet article, The Fault in Our Star Wars. Um, the idea at this is that this is supposed to be a uh, quote-unquote young adult uh, focused Film um, with a slight romantic uh, twist to it. Um, we're not talking about full-on love story. Um, this is supposedly uh, a tragedy, more in the line of the romance of Han and Leia during Empire than anything else. Um, this is also supposedly going to be the uh, the first major vehicle for a female director to enter uh, the Star Wars canon. So I. Uh, it's 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 a hard sell for me personally um young adult on its own isn't necessarily a bad you know term uh there's a lot of great stories i mean the yasoko novel that you and i both enjoyed um is technically a young adult book but uh when we say like a young adult novel or young adult movie what everyone's mind automatically goes to is twilight um yeah and it's that sappy earnest kind of romance that nobody really wants um i think you're being generous (laughs) yeah that's that's the thing um but you know when you also say romance in star wars um a lot of people's minds goes to uh lost stars which is uh, a really well received novel about um uh, a love between an imperial and a rebel uh spread out over the original trilogy um there are many many people that say that that is their favorite book in the new canon personally i have not read it yet but it is on my list uh to get through just to kind of see what the hubbub's about um but if they do something of that quality uh then i think that it's something that people could definitely get on board with um i michael i think that you are uh, a little adverse to having a romance film in the Star Wars universe, but uh, let me hear what your your take is on this. Well, here's the thing: I would normally be opposed to it, but, let, but let's just say the fact that let's say Dave Filoni never directs a live action Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. What if I told you that, um, 
this is an Ahsoka centered movie mm-hmm. that deals with somebody that she she finds post the Jedi purge, who is her age. Ahsoka She's also a Jedi. And Lux Bonteri from the Clone Wars. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> and it's it's them finding commonality who are, it's not like it's kind of like a will they won't they but not necessarily but then he's kidnapped because of a mistake that she makes and that's mm-hmm. what kind of forces her to be so careful in the book that we see yeah i would be i'd be first in line to see that i think that'd be mm-hmm. amazing uh because i think it's a realistic story to tell that everyone you know has been persecuted to destroy, you're gonna find maybe somebody. You're gonna try to survive together because you have a better chance. And then something happens, and you realize that um, it's a much darker time than what you had realized. Like I think that if I pitch that idea to you, would mm-hmm. you still sell it really hard, or would you would you be interested to take a lease on it? Well, I'm I'm definitely interested in any kind of uh, Ahsoka live action version. Um, and I think really think that maybe the key to getting this movie right is taking um characters that we already know and are are excited about and then bringing a new dimension to them um for example like you said uh giving ahsoka some sort of romantic uh entanglement at some point um the other one that uh, comes to mind when i'm thinking romance in star wars uh, beyond, you know, uh, Han and Leia and um, Anakin and Padme is the Obi-Wan and Satine uh, romance oh, yes. that was alluded to in the Clone Wars. Um, I don't think that that's what this is going to be, but if they were to do kind of a romance, I would love to hear that story told because, you know, uh, Obi-Wan, you and I are both enthusiastic about uh, getting an uh, Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan film as is uh, the majority of the fandom out there. Yes. Um, but uh, if, if learning it during the Clone Wars series that Obi-Wan had fallen in love with someone and would have left the order for her had she said the word um, is very, very intriguing. Um, so, you know, taking that idea and turning it into kind of a, a, a love story between the two of these people... Um, that ends in tragedy kind of fits the bill for that story um so i would really be interested in hearing something like that but uh we'll just have to kind of wait and see mm-hmm. yeah no, that that's very good that's it's a very good point i just hope they didn't wrap that up in clone wars i, I honestly stop at my list is i want to see uh, ahsoka in some way i think that could certainly fit if Dave Filoni never directs it, but I think he might get a film and and Ahsoka because that was his character. I think he very well yeah. might get it, uh, which I'm not saying. I mean, I just want to. I want. Please tell me we're going to see an Ahsoka live action movie. Please tell me we're going to see it. <laughs> I would love to, quite honestly. I think that would be uh, fantastic. But um, as far as the the films that are currently in development, that doesn't necessarily seem to be on the slate. I wouldn't uh, write it out yet. Yeah. Excuse me, but I do think that it, it is possible. Um, okay. Dave Filoni in particular, uh, I think, is someone who uh, we're definitely going to continue to hear a lot from. Um, what we're also hearing from this article is uh, kind of what comes next after the the next, uh, you know, seven, eight, and nine coming out after the first three anthology films. What comes after that point? Um, 
we're we're probably going to uh, see a few different things. Um, one of them is we're going to see uh, a shift from a mix between saga films and anthology films to uh, primarily anthology films and taking a break with the saga. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, the saga, we, we, we've talked about this before, a lot of people have, and it makes a lot of sense that this is really kind of a generational thing. Um, you know, our parents grew up in the time of the original trilogy. You and I grow up in um, the time of the prequels. Uh, our our contemporaries' children are growing up in the sequel trilogy era, um, you know. So it's conceivable that um, we may have to wait five, ten years after the wrap of uh, Episode Nine before we see ten, eleven, and twelve. I don't know um, if I could wait ten years, man. I don't know if ten I years wait definitely 10. would be a stretch, but um, we we may indeed see that happen. And that does seem to be um, the direction that Lucasfilm is considering, and. Quite honestly, that takes a lot of guts. Uh, yes, on the part of Lucasfilm and Disney to in a lot of restraint. If this does indeed happen, for them to say, we've got we've got a winning franchise here, folks. We've got ideas. We've got people who are willing to go see the movies, but we're gonna pull back, and we're gonna leave them wanting more for who knows how long yeah um, that, that's the question because how they wrap up episode nine i think is going to be a huge indicator of that because mm-hmm. i mean i love these characters i mean they sold them really well uh i mean I, I i put them equivalent to the original trilogy only because we don't have all the original trilogy characters anymore really to go on you know we mm-hmm. we missed so many years with them that the potential to have you know um daisy john and oscar with us for the next you know, 20, 25 years, uh, it, yeah. at, at, at least, um, it, as, as long as everyone stays healthy, you know, and everything. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I say that I, I'm not, I'm not joking, but you know, you can't have always assume everything. Mm-hmm. So let's just say this Stefan. Let's say they tell episode. So episode eight comes out, it crushes Han Solo. Yep. Unanimously love, unanimously love, unanimously say it for me. Unanimously loved. Appraised, however, thank you. Whatever. And universally praised. And mm-hmm. then 18 months later, episode 9 comes out, blows everyone's socks off. Yippee Kaye. Woo! So, one of two things. Either mm-hmm. they they wrap up a story, episode 9, a la episode 6. It's a very nice, they, they've put a nice bow on it in a trilogy. There are new characters from beginning to end. We've told sure. cohesive stories. Here's an end. Mm-hmm. Or. Yes, they end, but the characters still have something left to do. Or there's yeah. still something more. What do you think right now? How do they end episode nine? You think it's going to be a good bow, or you think it's going to be? Trust me, we got more coming for you. You know, I think we may we may get a a combination of the two. Um, you know, Return of the Jedi wrapped up in a nice, pretty little bow. Um, yep which we now know you know it didn't quite pan out that way um revenge of the sith on the other hand had kind of a mix it was it was definitely we're tying up the prequel trilogy um but we're saying hey you know where this leads next uh that there is something more coming and it's not coming you know 20 years later we've got it here right now so you know uh how these two connect up um now that we know that you know Star Wars is in uh, 
loving hands and is not going anywhere. Um, it may be going on hiatus for a time, but it's not, you know, leaving us forever. Uh, I, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to tie Episode Nine up in a pretty little bow. Um, but I think that we will probably get a satisfying ending to the story that they began with The Force Awakens. Um, but then, you know, kind of uh, open up the door for the the next trilogy the 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 double sequel trilogy whatever we're going to call that um episodes uh, 10 11 and 12 um or beyond who knows we may stop seeing things in trilogies we could be getting a, f- a five movie run um eventually it's very true so um so if, if they're yeah, going to split the we're difference we're definitely going to get threads to to lead into the next series so if they split the difference then um do you think, depending because if we're saying five to ten years, let's just say the max is ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we the main characters of of ten are our main characters in episode seven, eight, nine, or is it gonna be a whole brand new? Because it just doesn't seem because of how long there was between episode six and seven, you kind of had to have our original trilogy uh, heroes pass the baton. But this yeah. time, like, there's still action stars at this point. If you if you're just going ten years out, the episode mm-hmm. ten comes. I do, yeah, we're I talking about like a, a a Daisy Ridley and a John Boyega in like their their mid thirties, versus you know uh, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, and Mark Hamill in their sixties and seventies. Right, exactly. So, I mean, do you think do you think immediately they start um, passing the baton? Um, because I'm sure people want to see be, because of how big everything is now and, and because of the money and that Star Wars is a brand, you're not going to want to just see these characters for three films and then that's it. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Um, I definitely think that we're going to see them come back um, as long as, you know, uh, our, our big characters survive the sequel yes. trilogy. Um, that's still, you know, up in the air. I, I have a feeling that yeah, at least uh, Daisy and John are going to make it back. Um, Poe, uh, Oscar Isaac, I, I still think he's on thin ice, even though I love that character. Um, I, I have a feeling that Poe Dameron um, may be one of the first to go, given the opportunity. Um, but, you know, it's... it's eh. It's a hard thing to say because we, we, we've only seen seven. We haven't seen eight. We have no idea where nine is going. Um, it's hard. It's, it's a hard call to make. Um, but my instinct says that they would bring them back. They would use them in, as they stand at that time in their 30s, let's say, and then have that be, you know, them in, in a different age of life, um, you know, established adults. Uh, but maybe them them training, say uh, it's Daisy training her new generation of Jedi. Um, I'm not ruling out the possibility that they, you know, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker could survive uh, Return of the Jedi, not Return of the Jedi, geez, um, <laughs> Episode Nine, and return for the second sequel trilogy, um, providing that he's still in good health and wants to do it. Uh, you know, I, there's there's several scenarios that I could I could imagine that would lead to um, us seeing the actors that we've come to know in these roles portraying them again within like a, a ten year or less uh, time gap between uh, nine and ten. 
this is the thing, problem is my mind just starts going wild here, man. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I so many open spaces. It, the I think that is what the the beauty of the Force Awakens, and you can't give enough credit to JJ and the story group because mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who doesn't like these characters. People say the most the most overused and stereotypical answer now for episode seven like critically is that it was just a rehash of a new hope i understand mm-hmm. i i would agree for the most part it is i mean thinking all the parallels it's like they really could have done something at least change the desert planet to at least make it tatooine or make it a a weird terraformed planet or something don't make mm-hmm. it just another desert plant like it just it makes it's like that's the only problem is like yeah there i mean there's a trench run there's a bigger death star all this stuff i'm like yes they could have gone in this very different route but my gosh those characters were great everyone every review came back to like well they're like oh all i can say all of this stuff but my goodness the 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 humor worked the characters Mm -hmm. were charismatic and that that's the most difficult part is introducing characters uh, alongside our original trilogy and then we're like oh my gosh BB-8 why am I liking oh, yeah. him just as much as R2-D2 why, took wh- the world by storm yes why do I like Ray? she's really mm-hmm. good John Boyega is awesome who is this good looking uh, Poe Dameron type of per- like why like <laughs> why is I mean come on ask I mean I'm just I mean I don't know no offense yes I mean come on what, if I had throw it out there yeah. they're all a good look a bunch of people yes uh, Adam Driver in that nose though I mean that, that is something that you can't miss um, so you see ears that get me more but those are getting <laughs> kind of covered up by the hair yeah of uh, my but I, the fact that it all worked. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the most insane part of it. It seemed the plot was a little bit. But we loved the characters. What if the plot was amazing? What if the plot was Gone with the Wind, Shawshank Redemption, awesome? But we just didn't care. Yeah. Uh, like that would be like the most devastating part. It's like wow, that mm-hmm. was very very bland. Wow, uh, the heroine not very strong. Uh, and but like she it, she was what praised was her by name her again. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's why. Um, I, I think it's it's one of the best, um, one of the best character driven movies I've seen in a while, and yeah, if if I, I definitely gonna, agree, yeah, okay, it, it, that's where it makes me excited by episode eight. And you honestly don't think Poe Dameron's gonna survive the trilogy? On, if I had to, you know, if we're doing a death pool right now, and I had to pick one of the the new cast who was not going to survive the the sequel trilogy it would be poe dameron um i don't have a good reason for you why i think that i just think that he he is the more expendable of the three Um, oh yes absolutely but but honestly like he no joke like uh, it took me like no time at all to like that character like by the time he uttered uh who talks first you talk first i talk first i mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like i i was on board with the poe dameron train we were, we were good to go um by the time that he and uh finn talk and said you need a pilot i need a pilot um like i, I you know i'm sold on on these two people being characters that i can get into and honestly i'm looking forward to potentially having like a, a bit of a, a pin pin foe that's not right <laughs> that's kind of like their mashup name i suppose pin and foe um a finn and poe 
uh, kind of dual mission together. I would like to see them interacting um, professionally a little bit more than you know occasionally running into each other on mm-hmm. um, on the the resistance base. Hey, can, uh, can I also point out something that I have a problem yeah. with? That a lot of people are like, you know, I I think Oscar Isaac is gonna have a crush on Ray because of how he interacts with her. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, did people watch the movie? I uh, like. Poe and and Ray have not met yet. In the movie, no, they've met in uh, in the novelization, but they haven't met. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, it's 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 just kind of obvious to uh, say like, oh, attractive person number A meet attractive person number B. I'll leave you two to it. Yeah. Um, that that's just kind of where everybody's head goes. Gotcha. Um, I, I just like I, this one thing. I'm like, I can't like. Where are you pulling that from? Because I know it's in the book, and the novelization. Yeah. I know it's in there. But like these people, like you didn't read the novelization. I know you didn't because mm-hmm. it, well, it's a judgment call. But I know you didn't read the novelization. Yeah. Um, so, but clearly but you didn't watch the, the movie either. There was no hint at a romance between those two characters. No. If if we are if we're saying that there's a a beginning to a romance between any characters in the force awakens other than you know han and leia kind of rekindling um their love for each other uh towards the end i i would say it has to be between uh finn and ray or Um, well that's pretty one-sided i think i think that case is just case where the guy really wants to go to prime with the girl and the girl kind of is like listen um Here's the There's thing. two ways to interpret <laughs> that kiss at the very end. Like, I, I believe we'll see each other again. That could either be viewed as the friend zone kiss or the okay, I'm interested to kiss. Um, it, it's it's the friend zone because she says my good friend. She actually verbalizes that, and when she emphasizes she that? that, yeah, she's like, I will see you again, my good friend, and then she gives him a kiss, like that. I don't think she says my good friend. I think she just says, um, we'll see each other again. I believe that. I think that's what the line is, personally. Okay, now if I'm, I'm yeah, I have to look that up. I'm gonna look it up. You vamp for a second. Uh, well, okay. So if she doesn't say my good friend, then I, I will agree with you. If she says good friend, then I have to disagree. Only because if she emphasized it verbally, then she's she's already placed the the that uh, her expectation. But of course, she's a scapegoat because Finn's unconscious. Uh, I, I don't think anything's gonna happen between them there. I think they would have they would have you know planted it a little bit more um, firmly in episode seven. But I just can't mm-hmm. wait to see what Ray's journey is. I cannot wait for the 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 dark side temptation that she's gonna face. I cannot wait for that uh, because gosh, it would be so amazing if if they flip the narrative between um, Kylo and or not necessarily. Not necessarily flip the narrative, but if somehow Kylo ends up in the possession of, of of Leia, and like that's the big thing, mm-hmm. and then somehow, um, you know, Ray ends up in the possession of Snoke. Oh my gosh, it'd be amazing. Uh, yeah. it'd, maybe it'd be a little chintzy as a storytelling as there as a parallels, but I I think it would be something to see that Ray gets captured or she's tortured, not for the sake of torture, but she's somehow tempted. Because you never got to see all of that with Luke, but I, I think it's realistic. But I, I don't know what the angle would be for Snoke, though. Um, yeah, that, I, I, that I don't is know a what question, the angle. isn't it? I, I don't. I really know what he would get at to tempt her with, other than the fact that you know, unless of of course she is really really hurt. Like unless there's an epiphany in Episode Eight or the, the towards the climax of the film, where you find out that Luke Skywalker maybe is her dad, and and she feels abandoned by him, and she feels angry at the Jedi, and that that 
that plant that seed is then planted there or you know Luke has covered up her her identity something of that sort in the movie that she's going to be let down by Luke in my opinion at some point and that might be a trigger mm-hmm. for uh, for Snoke to enter in and, and take and take her her attention away if not maybe for epi- to set up episode 9 but maybe just for a portion of the film yeah um yeah guys there's so many interesting directions that they could take think about what it could be like if they leave episode 9 off with um Ray falling to the dark side. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's how we end this. That would be that would be like a cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers, quite honestly. I, I think people um, would would become depressed. I'm not joking. Okay. I think I think there'd be people and I think they would face mm-hmm. lawsuits if they did something like it would be an amazing <laughs> narrative. Like uh pers- mm-hmm. like uh, you want to talk about just the gall to wait 10 years, which I do think is like or five to ten years, which is a great business move, by the way. That's an amazing business move. It is and gutsy. It's a very real possibility that we yeah. could be waiting but, that long. They don't want people to get fatigued with this, which I really appreciate. Uh, but, episode uh, episode know, nine. Your wait seems maddening. <laughs> Just imagine the closing credits. Uh, which, by the way, I don't know how you could do this. I don't know how you end a Star Wars movie in a darker tone because mm-hmm. of the way the music is so upbeat at the end because every you star have War- to leave it off in a hopeful point like i mean like in empire we've got han solo who's in carbonite the 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 rebellion has been displaced in in revenge of the sith the jedi are all dead the empire is rising those are very desperate places for our heroes but there's always that glimmer of hope and you're right that has to kind of be in there so what's the darkest tone uh song used by john williams that interludes into the the final credits is it i'm assuming is it episode two yeah i i would say that that is probably one of the the darkest moments that we see like either between that um you know they all kind of have moments of sadness to them in in some way or another i mean like you think about episode one we get the the funeral pyre for qui-gon that's kind of a a sad dark moment um episode two the the you know deployment of the clones from coruscant as uh, palpatine watches um three we see you know the construction of the death star uh four doesn't really have that um that's mostly you know uh, the happy-go-lucky moment um you know five it's you know han's gone everybody's kind of dead and displaced and uh, everything's kind of sad there but then you have that glimmer of hope at the end um in return of the jedi we have that melancholy moment of uh luke burning uh vader's suit so they all have kind of their their deep emotional moments before you get to the fluffy stuff um yeah i guess what me and you were picturing though is I, i'm thinking um clone wars and yeah, end of that season like the darkest ending yeah because you know prior to all of that it was a directorial move that that song that plays over ahsoka as she is walking down the steps of the temple continues to play in the end credits it doesn't go to the very pomp and circumstance upbeat end credits that you typically hear and see yeah. the problem is is that sake of tradition i don't think you'll ever see the saga film story away with how they end but i think from a narrative standpoint it could be enhanced if they weren't boxed in with how they traditionally end because not not every single thing has to have a hopeful ending if the story called for something different so Mm -hmm. i i i like tradition 
I, um, like the opening crawl and that and that sort of thing. I just wish they could take more creative uh, approaches to the way saga films are made because mm-hmm. I I think they could do something very special. Like I think it could be yeah. very special. Um, but I I guess if because the way a final scene hits you is a little different between if if the big the the, the more depressing sad scene happens maybe 45 seconds prior to the end credits rolling like think of well, how different we would have thought about a uh, desolation of smog if the what have we done was the sixth to the last line in the movie or something you know yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't that carry last the same impression weight. that you're left with is very critical to developing how you feel about the movie overall yes um and i totally agree and i think that we probably could see some you know branching off uh, with that kind of thing, if you know the last Jedi uh, ends in in a darker way than we've seen in a previous Star Wars film, uh, I would not be surprised by that too much because you know it's it's the perfect positioning for that. Um, the middle chapter, we still have the the time in the in the third bit to you know redeem things and and wrap everything up into a nice little bow if that's what they choose to do. Um, so it is entirely possible. Um, but I do think that they kind of need, in my opinion, need to stick with the, the silent, um, emotion building endings, um, not having any dialogue for the last couple of minutes, um, of a Star Wars movie, I think is kind of important and just let the, the music build, um, because that was one of the, the things that I felt a little bit different and strange about Rogue One is that we get that last uh, word, hope, and then straight into credits. Um, I kind of like having that a little bit of time at the end to breathe, um, personally. Yeah, yeah. But uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier about uh, Ray's last words to Finn in The Force Awakens... Um, she says we'll see each other again i believe that then kisses him on the forehead and says thank you my friend then jets um so you were right that he she does say that to him um but it's kind of open to interpretation what i swear man by friend (laughs) Um, yeah my my i mean all my just regular guy instincts if that happens to you that means she really 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 cares about you and the most Mm -hmm friend sort of way (laughs) but you know think about it again um where she started and where she ends up in this movie are very different places she's she's very uh a very hostile person um you know the the, some of the first things that she says to poe not poe geez uh, Finn are stop holding my hand and keeps um, admonishing <laughs> him for doing that. Yeah. And then we get this end scene of her, you know, legitimately being emotional when she, you know, sees that they came back to rescue her and Chewie says that it was uh, Finn's idea. Like, you really see her kind of warming up to this kid. Um, and that could definitely just be, you know, a friendship connection. But the, between the two, it, it uh, seems like it it's not impossible that it could evolve into something more. Um, but yeah, that's basically the, the long and the short of, uh, where things may be headed in the future. Um, an Obi-Wan film is all but certain. Um, we're, we're thinking that Gareth Edwards may be back to direct that. 
um, a uh, Boba Fett uh, bounty hunters ensemble film looks likely um, that may be uh, the fourth anthology film that we uh, hear about uh, the uh, tragedy romance Star Wars film which is I think is what I'm going to uh, take to calling it because you know young adult and um, just straight romance kind of leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth um, so I'm going to call it the tragedy romance story um, that one uh, is apparently in the pipeline uh, we're definitely going to be seeing a continuation and a strengthening of Star Wars on TV whether that be in a uh, live action or uh, animated uh, avenue I would not be surprised if we see um, uh, another animated series within the next two years um, and then uh, a possible break of the saga films before hitting uh, saga trilogy number four um, that's kind of what we're looking at and we may get some confirmation on this in the next couple of weeks so stay tuned to uh, the Jedi steps to get all of that news um, Speaking about celebration, we do have uh, a couple of minor announcements. Next week, we're planning on kind of running down uh, some of the, the bigger things that will be happening that week. But uh, one in particular that we want to talk about right now is uh, a tweet that was put out by the official Star Wars Celebration Twitter account. Uh, that was from March 31st, 2017, that uh, mentions like it. An epic tribute to um, Star Wars' 40th anniversary happening on April 13th um, during the kind of 40th anniversary panel. Uh, guests that will be included in this panel um, are going to be Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, Billy Dee Williams, Lando Calrissian, Ian McDiarmid, uh, Emperor Palpatine, Warwick Davis, uh, Wicket the Ewok. Uh, Anthony Daniels, C-3PO, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, Dave Filoni, the man in the hat himself, uh, Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy, and the big surprise out of all of this, Hayden Christensen. Uh, this is going to be Hayden's first appearance at a Star Wars celebration since, I believe, Celebration 2 or 3 in either 2002 or 2005. Um, but uh, he's definitely not made it uh, a regular event for him um makes perfect sense that he could be here for the 40th anniversary just to kind of show support for the films that he was in um uh, but this is leading some people to speculate a little bit further uh we've talked about in the past that our hopes of uh seeing force ghosts in the last jedi uh we thought that it, it's most likely that we that we will see uh a ghost Yoda, possibly a ghost Obi-Wan appear, um, but a lot of people are really hoping that we're going to see um, Force Ghost Anakin Skywalker reappear in the sequel trilogy. Uh, and this is adding some uh, some fuel to those flames. Uh, Michael, what do you think about uh, Hayden Christensen appearing at the 40th anniversary panel, and what might this say about the future of uh, Christensen in the Star Wars saga? It means nothing that he's showing up. Uh, it means sure. nothing that he's showing up. That he, it doesn't indicate that he's going to be in Episode Eight or Nine. Unfortunately, Absolutely. that is the case. Uh, there is there's no evidence there. It's forty. It's the 40th anniversary. I think. 
everything but the kitchen sink is going to be the 40. They're bringing Dennis Lawson back. He, what did he, remind us all what he said about uh, not appearing in episode 7. What did he say? He basically kind of felt that it was beneath him, like he didn't have anything uh, left to do with uh, the character, like the story wasn't interesting. I mean, he gave excuse after excuse. Yeah, the latter um, part of that is that he doesn't believe there's something to be said. I think that's that's valid. I think I, I, I could understand mm-hmm. that, but the fact that it's beneath him, he actually yeah. didn't mutter that. Uh, okay. Okay, Mister uh, says Star I mean, Wars that you know gave you a huge paycheck for those years. Um, even though he was in every single one of the original trilogy films, Wedge was a, a tertiary character at best. He was. Um, I loved Wedge though because he was one of those guys that lived. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he, he lived, lived he, and he was a big part of you know the EU and the video games. Yes, um, absolutely. So I loved so. Wedge. Now, um, here's the thing: is that. Hayden being back, though, does excite me. Because I don't think the fans hate Hayden Christensen. I really not not like we're talking about uh, Jake Lloyd here. Um, which mm-hmm. I feel so bad for that guy, by the way, too. I really do. Uh, I don't think Hayden Christensen is a terrible actor. I think mm-hmm. he was terribly directed. <laughs> and... In the director's job is to get the best performance out of the actors um, that based on what their vision of the movie is. Uh, yeah. If if you not saying George Lucas is a really, really, really bad director, obviously he proved that he has the, the ability to do some, do some good. But I would love to see Hayden Christensen appear as a force ghost again, Mm -hmm. because I would love to see it. Even if it's just for 30 seconds and he has four lines. I mean, if you have just like an, a part in in a play in elementary or middle school, high school, you have, you have like the one line and Mm -hmm. it's your one line. But if you can nail that one line, people, your family would be so proud. I think uh, we star Wars fans would be so, so excited to, to first to see him like I want to know what the crowd reaction is going to be I think it'll be just nothing but Jubilee to be honest with you mm-hmm. um, and I also think his inclusion in episode 8 or 9 would make sense now yeah. here's the thing is I have to ask you this question in return that mm-hmm. this is not going to happen but my goodness like there's and there's been a slight rumors about it but wouldn't you just want to see a movie entitled The Chosen One set between either 1 and 2 or 2 and 3 about Anakin and it kind of foreshadows what the Mortis trilogy did where you really get down to a, a thing where they really sh- foreshadow Vader. I mean, come on. I would l- oh, I would love to see that. To kind of go back and not necessarily supersede or undermine anything that George had did, but maybe get a new new twist that says, hey, this is why Anakin acted the way he did. This is why it was so irrational. He was basically already on the brink of of breaking already um i gosh that's like right it's it's right up there with ahsoka for me i'll let you talk now mm-hmm. but gosh that'd be so cool yeah honestly um i i i one i agree with you i think that the reception that he's going to get at celebration is going to be overwhelmingly positive um 
there are still you know those prequel haters that are out there but um you know those of us that grew up in the prequel generation that um you know acknowledge their faults but appreciate them for what they are world building um, are are steadily growing in the star wars fan community so i think that you know his reception is definitely going to be a lot warmer than it may have been um it at other times in history um you know, seeing him in episode eight, I think would be fantastic. Um, I would maybe even go so far to say it would be a bit of a mistake if he does not appear in the sequel trilogy at all. I don't even need him to necessarily say anything. If you just put the man on camera and just give him some some good looks, just like give him the same di- like bring in JJ, give him the same direction that he gave. Uh, Mark Hamill at the end of uh, The Force Awakens just have looks like that that say a, a, a thousand words you could write a book on on all of that um, that's all I would need to be satisfied um, I would love him to actually say lines but you know that's uh, beside the point but uh, an entire movie based on you know Anakin at some point that would be a really interesting idea i'm totally on board for you know anything involving him um it's hard to pick a favorite character in the entire saga but if i had to pick one it would definitely be anakin skywalker um just because you know he was he's the protagonist of the prequels and that's the era i grew up in um luke is definitely a close second um but uh if you if i had to pick just one i would definitely say that it was probably anakin sure um i i don't know if a live action movie would be necessarily the the avenue to go with this but um maybe another an an animated film or an extension of the clone wars would be fantastic anything really to get uh more into the head of anakin skywalker pre the fall post his fall anything in there i'm i'm always sure. on board for do you also think uh by the way then this was just discussed in rebel force radio uh mm-hmm. sometime back in january that do you think that there is there's logic here that's that the saltiness of the first three films uh or sorry episodes one two or three rather now that's kind of worn off is because they're no longer the definitive end to the Star Wars universe. They are just now other chapters. You know, I think that there definitely is um, something to that idea. Um, I don't know that that's exactly the 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 end all be all to sure uh, the 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 lightning opinions on that. Um, but I think there's definitely something to it because you know you, we we just talked about endings a few minutes ago. Um, if you were one of those people in that group that disliked the prequels wholesale, um, having that be the end of the Star Wars saga as we knew it may have kind of left a bad taste in some people's mouths. But now knowing that we have, you know, uh, The Force Awakens, we're getting, um, you know, more saga films with uh, The Last Jedi, we're getting anthology films on top of that. Uh, we saw the Clone Wars, and we saw, uh, you know, Rebels, and we're probably going to be seeing more television shows. You know, Star Wars has a very bright future, so, um, you know, I think it, there's definitely something to it, saying that uh, now that Star Wars does not have a definitive end, 
um, makes people a little bit less harsh about that. I mean, like you, you go back and watch like the James Bond films, for example. Um, there are there's some really great ones in there, um, but there are just as many, if not more, stinkers um, in that yeah. collection. There's there's some pretty bad films there. But uh, people still enjoy James Bond for for what it is. Um, they they view you know all of those kind of in context um, and you know in uh, as a whole overall. Um, and I think the good ones kind of balance out the bad ones. Um, so yeah, there there definitely is something to that idea of uh, opinion softening because we have more films now to. I kind of choose from, if you will. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's it, you know it's we keep saying this over and over, but it's a great time for Star Wars. Um, I would definitely love to see Hayden Christensen return, but you know you're you're absolutely right in what you said before. This is in no way definitive confirmation that he will appear in the Last Jedi. Um, this is at this point in time nothing more than you know him showing up to show support and represent the prequels um for the 40th anniversary the the biggest milestone that uh the saga has reached thus far so i uh, take it with a grain of salt but maybe leave that in the back of your mind wondering hey what what could we be uh getting from this in the future you mm-hmm. never know mm-hmm. um we're running a little bit long today but uh for our last story not a whole lot to discuss here quite honestly but um something kind of fun to note uh something a bit of a leak coming out of makingstarwars.net uh and this is uh regarding the possible name of a planet or city that we will be seeing in the last jedi uh many months ago we saw uh some set photos leak out of uh the dubrovnik croatia sets um they they transformed this uh very kind of light colored brick uh cityscape into you know a star wars world we were and seeing you know set photos of uh speeder chases and uh creatures jumping around and uh people in various suits and casino type environments um we're still not entirely certain what to think early speculation was that this was going to be the location of um a casino world and possibly uh the the site of uh, a memorial service for han solo we really don't know at this point in time um but one of the things that people noted were uh some some security officers that were seen on set um and they had the 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 arobash the the star wars alphabet letters um dbpd sorry not db cbpd uh written on the front of their helmets um now making star wars is reporting that uh they have been hearing the name canto bright in association with these sets um so this may either be a planet that uh we have thus far never seen or heard of uh named canto bright or uh since you know police departments are generally not labeled after the entire planet but just a specific city within them this may be uh canto bright a a city 
from uh, another planet. Some people have speculated that this may be uh, Corellia or Chandrilla, um, Han Solo's homeworld, or one of the previous locations of the uh, New Republic Senate and the homeworld of uh, Senator Mon Mothma. Um, you know, fun little tidbit there. Not a whole lot to uh, speak about, debate. Um, but, uh, you know, something we figure we might as well throw out there as long as we're uh, doling out the leaks this week. Um, anything to say about that, Michael? Uh, not really, other than the fact that I'm just glad that something like this is going to be showing up. It seems as if, based on initial reports, that this is based on my assumption, it's going to kind of take place of the standard cantina sequence that usually you get in Star Wars and towards the middle of a film where our, our, our heroes need to go someplace else to get in contact with somebody to help them along their journey. It's kind of like standard mm-hmm. thing. They need to go to a, a place like a bar or a, a party thing, or in this case, a casino to hook up with somebody who has either financial resources or has information to get them somebody or a contact. And it seems exactly what this is the place that it's going, what it's going to serve as considering the early rumors that, that um, Luke and, and um, Ray head to this time. There's a chase or whatever. It just, I think that's what it stands as firm to be. I can't wait to see what the world building is. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Dubrovnik, I mean, they've used some very bizarre locations. I'll have to say that. Um, but I'm assuming that that's very, very, uh, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they've been very conscientious about places where they have filmed. Because uh, mm-hmm. could they have just taken any sort of European like city and done it? I mean, sure. I didn't know where Dubrovnik was at. Uh, to be honest with you, before yeah. like I couldn't even tell you like what what are we talking about? Um, but I have to imagine that some sort of architecture or just the layout of the town was very appealing, and I I can't honestly wait to see what they're gonna do. And can episode eight just be here tomorrow? Can the trailer be here tomorrow? We're we're almost there. It'll be here very very soon. Just a, a couple more days. Just gotta wait out. Um, and and we will definitely be seeing it. Uh, for those of you who uh, have not been paying attention to the news or have not heard, um, we'll talk a little bit more about this next week when we do our show. But uh, the last Jedi panel will be uh, held on. Let me think. This is going to be Saturday, no, or Friday, April fourteenth, whatever day that is. I think that's a Friday. Um, between. 11 p.m. and 12.30, sorry, 11 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. on April 14th, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, This will also be broadcast on YouTube via the uh, Star Wars YouTube channel, or you can find it on StarWars.com. It has not been officially confirmed that we are getting a trailer at Celebration, but they have hinted and nudged as much as they possibly can without saying that we're getting a trailer that day um so those of you listening to this uh concurrent with the uh normal time um and have enough time to plan out your your day a couple of weeks in advance be looking for a trailer around uh 12 30 on april 14th mm-hmm. we cannot um, wait we, yeah i know it's 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 exciting we are hopefully planning on doing a uh, trailer breakdown uh if not that day, a couple days afterwards, as long as we can get the uh, scheduling worked out between the two of us. Uh, but, I, uh, I'll be free. I'll be watching it live with you only because um, that's literally uh, like 
and all that very significant weekend in the in the Christian church uh, that mm-hmm. weekend. So I'm That's not going right. to be doing it's, anything. It's, yeah, I won't yeah, be doing anything on Saturday. Weekend. I forgot about that. Yep. So I'm not going to have any plans. Well, we will uh, most likely uh, then break down the trailer uh, that day, and you'll be getting something uploaded from us on April 14th itself. Um, but until that time comes, thank you, everybody, for listening to The Jedi Steps this week. Uh, a bit of a longer show. Um, we're working on trying to kind of you know, break down our content as concisely as possible, but we also want to give you uh, some good discussions. And plus, this is just a conversation between a good friend of mine and I uh, about oh. something that we both love. Um, and we hope that you enjoy listening to that. Um, but uh, we're going to be uh, signing off for this week, uh, coming back strong, stronger than ever, really, uh, next week uh, with a little bit more celebration talk and any other news that drops between now and then. Thanks again for joining us this week. If you have not checked out Stefan's latest Adventures in Zambia, Part 2 is up on our feed now. And with episode number 32 in the bank, trust me, we'll be back for more. We cannot wait for celebration. Thank you guys for this journey. So for the Jedi Steps, my name is Stefan Bell. And I am Michael Crable, and may the Force be with you. Hey everyone, it's Gizzard Davis. Thank you for listening to the Sorry About the Mess production of The Jedi Steps. Stefan and Michael greatly appreciate your support. You can listen to them each and every week wherever fine podcasts are posted. If you ever feel led to leave them feedback or ask a question, you can email them at satmpodcast at gmail.com. Find them on Twitter and Facebook simply by searching Sorry About the Mess. And for everyone here at SATM, may the force be with you.